0: Okay, hello everyone and welcome to, well I was going to say the May edition of the Luton Town Supporters Trust podcast but in all honesty we're all bored shitless in our homes so we're hoping to bring you more than one episode of the podcast this month so it's whatever James decides it is when he edits uh, edits the podcast as to its title but uh, I'm Kev hosting as always and I've got James with me, I've got Tony with me and back once again by popular demand, we've also got Simon Pitts. Gents, I know you're staying at home, but how are you keeping?
1: Yeah, we're I'm okay. Um
2: hopefully
1: the other two are. Uh, yeah, okay, the cord shitness I think is summed up pretty much.
2: Yeah, I'm not too bad, thanks, but I've been working from home until today. So uh, looking forward to having a break, to be honest.
0: Fair enough, there's always one odd one out, isn't there? Um,
2: but Glad to hear
0: that you're all okay and well. There's only one place where we can really start this podcast, chaps. Uh, there I was, Friday before last, reminiscing of the greatest day in the club's history, twenty fourth of April, nineteen eighty eight, the Cup final. But amazingly, it was rudely interrupted by a club statement that suggested, well, that well, our manager had been, um, well, I don't, I won't use the word sacked because that wasn't the terminology. Mutually um, agreed to cancel his contract. Now, that came as a real shock to me, I must admit. Uh, I said in a column that I've written for James's website that usually you can see manager sackings or departures coming, but I really couldn't see that one coming for no other reason than football isn't operational at the minute, so it was the last thing that I expected. But James, how much of a surprise was it for you?
1: It was a surprise for everyone. Careful, I don't think anyone saw that coming. Um, you know, The last time I spoke to Gary Sweet, they were beginning negotiations for player pay cuts, and I thought that might be the way that they do it but it's been all quiet on that front and then this just popped up so uh it's yeah it's and, and no no explanation as to why since because the clubs they'd make no further statement which is i think everybody's a bit frustrated by that but um uh, it's got to be financial for me uh but then you know without knowing details, did he get paid off? Uh, you know, his contract get paid off, that is. what What's happened to his um, three or four star, uh, three star, sorry. Uh, we don't know. We just don't know any answers. So, um, it's left for wild speculation. So, uh, over to Tony.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, before I get Tony's thoughts, on, I should just um, echo that it wasn't just Jones that lost his job. Uh, Gary Brabin, in Inigo the first team coach, and whatever a technical goalkeeping coach is in a Mol I think that's how you pronounce it, also lost their jobs uh, immediately. Tony, what's your thoughts on the situation? I tend
1: to agree with um, with James that uh, it probably was financial. Um, you know, I, I, I would have thought that they'd obviously done a deal with the four of them to um, for them to leave the club because it wouldn't have made any sense um, for them to go and for them to pay up the rest of their their contract. So I suppose looking at it that way, then, then there, there could have well been a small amount of football reasons there. But at the moment, um, when you look at what's happening and there's no doubt that clubs are, are struggling financially and they've got to find some ways of uh, cutting costs if they've got no income. Um, so I think overall, it's it, financial. And, uh, you know, the, the, the club themselves have said they're, they're not looking to appoint anybody straight away. So it, it, it's a win-win situation for them. And I think in this situation, the fact that um, they've managed to get four Um, reasonable wage earners off the field probably means that there's other staff there that they don't need to look at cutting.
0: Yeah, I guess so. So from that point of view then, Simon, are we speculating that these were sort of luxuries that we don't really need and have decided to go forward without?
2: Yeah, very possibly. I mean, I think it's a difficult one because you talk about the financial circumstances short term, but as Tony alluded to then, you know, there's some form of payoff, there's some form of salary still going to be occurring um, during this period of downtime. But, you know, there is something underlying that financial-wise, in the short-term, medium-term and long-term, that it's benefiting the club. Um, Whether there was anything within the contracts for at the end of this year, i.e. the end of June, that allowed something to be done differently, I don't know. Um, But, um, you know, certainly... You know, they've chosen to do it, chose to announce it, as you say, on the anniversary of winning the, the League Cup, um, which I thought was a strange day. But if that's when things have been finalised and ready to go, you know we all know this day and age that otherwise things break and suddenly it's not the club that are announcing it. Somebody else has um, got a word in and, and put it out there. But uh, yeah, as you said earlier, real shock that it suddenly came about the way it did.
0: Yeah, it's very... Um, well, I mean like james said it's very sort of straight to the point but without really actually giving a point isn't it i mean james if it was for footballing reasons is there any reason to suggest that he was hard done by it? i mean again i wrote in your column that he only produced 10 wins in 37 league games which you know i'm guessing he's on a pretty penny probably value for money wasn't quite there but there was no doubt towards the end of the time before lockdown things were improving the team as it as a whole was improving and also, his sort of tactical awareness was improving. I'm thinking of that Brentford game in particular. So, would he have a case to be harshly done by on footballing grounds if indeed it is that?
1: I think so. Um, I mean, yeah, you can count the lindy's had, but all the noises coming out of the club at the beginning of the season—if they finish one place above relegation, then that would success. So, if I look at. How many wins do you realistically think that they were going to get if that was going to be the case? It was going to be a low number. Uh, and the last uh, you know, five out of six games going really well and everybody thought that the great escape could be on. Um, so I, I do think it's he's, he's been slightly hard done, by. I know that won't be a popular opinion because a lot of people didn't like it, but I, I, you've got to take into extenuating circumstances around why... Um, they weren't as effective as they were last year you know they sold their two best players um the you know the top one of the top goal scorers in the last 10 years uh, has been injured for 18 months glenn ray injured for a long time um and and not effectively replaced so uh you know i sort of said all along what what did you expect why why are you get into it that they're losing uh all these games against teams that are you know splashing out ridiculous amounts of money for players? I know that when they played Hull, that um Camel Grzycki, who was instrumental in that game, he was on like 20 grand a week. So, how are you supposed to compete with that? We know that in financials, you're never going to compete with so uh, he was on course probably to um go close to their target, which was survival. We'd never know now, but um, yeah, it's hard done by. What The the thing is, whether it's hard done by or not, is neither here nor there for me. Now I want to sort of know what the situation is. Was uh, was it a contractual thing that they were allowed to trigger or is he getting paid off? Maybe he's getting paid off, but with a proviso that it's not right now and it's further down the line when they're making money and income's coming in, something like that. You just sort of want to know. Well, I don't think that anybody will begrudge the club whatever measure they take, you'd just like to know wouldn't you, like to be a bit more transparent so um, that's kind of what I'd like to know Uh, and also the situation with the players because nothing's happened there so far uh, where other clubs have deferred or had deferred wages or had pay cuts surely that's got to be the next step Um, uh, and maybe they're working on that but you know it's been quite a while now so those are the sort of questions you'd like to know
0: yeah it is actually rare for the club not to be transparent or you know 100% transparent Tony. and yeah, usually that's the strength of their sort of um, ownership of the club isn't it their transparency um just on whether you know it, it could be a football thing technically jones was employed when we were in league 1 i know we were well on course for promotion but there was no guarantees at the point that everyone appreciates when he was appointed that we were going to get promoted. Therefore, if we were relegated, would he necessarily have definitely got the boot?
1: No, not necessarily. Um, yeah, you're right. He, he was taken on as uh, manager, when, uh, although he didn't actually step in until the end of last season um, when we were in League One and no guarantees of getting promoted I mean, at the time we we lost the previous Mr. James and if you were honest as a Luton fan, you would have thought, okay, well, well it looks like we're not going to carry on and be as effective as we were. So he would probably have thought, well, I am going to be a manager in League One um, and being in the Championship and getting promoted uh, was an actual bonus for him. Um, so... It, it, it's a difficult one you know and as you said Kev the, the club are normally pretty transparent about these things and you know at the moment you know as James said earlier a lot of it is just pure speculation at the moment until the club actually come out and announce something further about it we, we're just going to be sitting here speculating about it all the time you know and you know that's one thing that uh, the club supporters are extremely good at is speculating on,
0: uh, <laughs> it's a weird one, isn't it? Because whenever we've been down to the training ground, players have always seemed to have acknowledged the good work that Graham Jones has done things now. I mean, obviously yeah. in recent days, we've certainly seen evidence of one who's pretty happy that he's left. We'll leave it at that. But I mean, Simon, generally the kind of vibe in press conferences with players after games and things was that he was doing a good job, but it was the players that just weren't quite finishing games off to get the results that were required. So, um, from that point of view again he could be looked upon as hard done by
2: you could look at it that way um some would say that you know the buck falls with the manager at the end of the day and if the players aren't finishing it off when you know they're capable of it is there an underlying i'm not saying there is or there isn't but is there something underlying that they're not as happy as they were a year ago or two years ago um you know it's a really difficult one isn't it that No player goes out to play badly on the football field, or I should certainly hope they don't. And therefore, when things aren't going as well, you've got to pick on something. You know, the common denominator, something has gone wrong. If you are beaten by a better team and it's not your day, it's not your day. You know, there are better footballers out there than some of the Luton Town players. There are better teams out there. However, better teams don't win every game. Otherwise, football would be boring. Um, you know, we love this game because you get the upset. I mean, they played the um, the Norwich FA Cup game at the weekend. Mm
0: -hmm. You know, who'd
2: have thought a non-league game could go to a Premier League side Mm -hmm. away from home and win 1-0? That's why we love football. So therefore, you know, players playing or responding to a manager, every player is different. Every manager is different. How a player responds to a manager is, is different. So for one player coming out in a post-match press conference and and praising a particular manager, and I'm not saying Graham Jones necessarily, another player may come out after a victory or after a defeat and not actually refer to the manager. So that gives you some understanding that the players that are coming out and publicly praising a manager obviously are, you know, A, wanting to keep their place for want of a better reason, and B, or they may be happy with that manager. A player that doesn't say anything, I think tells you more.
0: And a player who posts cryptic messages on social media probably tells you uh, even further. James, you was the one who probably <laughs> dealt with Graham Jones the most um, out of all of us that are here. How will you reflect upon his time in charge? and what would his, I don't want to use the word legacy because you generally need to have success with that, but what would he be remembered for as Luton manager?
1: it'll it'll be remembered for saying that uh, the team needed Izzy Brown to stay up. That's what supporters were remembering for, whether I like that or you like that or anyone likes that or not. That's what it will be remembered for. That's sort of where it went a bit pear-shaped. And then people from there pick up uh, the minutiae of whatever he does. So, I don't know, he makes the wrong subs or he doesn't say the right thing. or He should have said that or even if it was the truth, he should have kept quiet. That's <laughs> like, you can't win once that sort of tide has turned. Uh, the simple truth of the matter is that unless you're winning, then you're going to be uh, treated indifferently at best or the fans aren't going to like you. We've seen that over countless years. So, uh, you know, success is the measure of, of of the manager and he didn't achieve it. So... Uh, I think a lot of fans are probably quite pleased he's gone. Me personally, I thought he was doing a, a, a decent job with the tools he had. Um, and as I say before, he, he was expected just to avoid relegation, and uh, we'll never know if he if he would have. But the results going into lockdown situation suggests that the, the team were starting to get into a bit of groove. So um, my optimism was quite high at the time, and. Um, but like you say, we'll never know. Uh, but the, the short answer is it will be, uh, be remembered for that isn't brown comment, I think.
2: I think also added to that, James, you, you're quite right. A manager says one thing that puts a load of fans on offside. The other factor was, of course, the Brentford 7-0, mm. where he didn't go over and applaud the fans. And, you know, to be fair to the guy coming in, he'd got big shoes to fill. Because previous managers, you've got the legend that is Mick Harford, and I think I've said this before in a podcast, you've got the character that was John Still, and you've got the passion that was Nathan Jones before he left. You know, you've got three managers that fans really took to their hearts for three very different reasons at the time. And, and then Graham's coming in, and he, he's not got that immediate affinity with the fans. And the problem was, you know, personal opinion here, I don't think for a lot of fans he ever actually got that affinity because of things like you've said the phrase about Izzy Brown and the fact that he didn't, he didn't applaud fans, um, you know, particularly at Brentford um, after the seven nil. And I think it's very difficult to then try and turn that around. Once, once, once you've got a bad opinion in football or in life of anybody or anything, it's very, very difficult to turn that around no matter how hard you try. And if you don't try hard to to change it, it's not going to (coughs) change. The clapping thing shows, um, the, the fickle
1: nature of fans because if he was winning all the time they wouldn't give him monkeys whether he clapped or not but he'd be winning so that's it just you know it essentially comes down to results um and the results weren't good so they start nitpicking every little thing and, and
2: but you've got to acknowledge yeah. fans though haven't you that that's to me that should be a, a general thing no matter what the result you should acknowledge the fans for traveling for spending their money you know okay london's a great day out but that day wasn't was it
1: no. no, no. I, was, I mean, he, he was embarrassed that day, and I think a lot of people were. So, um, you know, whether, it, whether you like it or not, he's a person with emotions, I guess, and he, that would probably been, he said it at the time, it was his worst day in football, mm. wasn't it? So um,
0: he was embarrassed, I think. Tony, how do you reflect on his time in charge?
1: Um, I, I oh, he, he he was... Well, he wasn't a difficult situation. He 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 had a difficult act to follow, as as the guys have said, um, and he really was on a hiding to nothing. Um, people forgetting it it, it, it was his first um, job as a number one. He'd always spent most of his time as a number two, and uh, similar to. The club, he he, he was on a very steep learning curve, just like we are in the championship. Um, I mean, all all of us have met the guy and chatted to him. And and I I personally found him very approachable, uh, very knowledgeable about the game. You you could have a decent conversation with the guy. And, you know, he he had, I mean, mean, that's away from the the media and the the public spotlight. it, it, very pleasant, well-mannered, he remembered your names. Um, and he, Not he, mine. He, <laughs> <laughs> well, he knew James. Um, <laughs> yeah. And you could have a chat with him. But I think, um, you know, I I, I I, think one of the things that perhaps would have helped him, I think, was probably some sort of uh, media or PR calls to help him. Um, so I disagree, Tony. I think what he said was really good. It was good copy after time. Yeah. I'm, I'm talking from a, you know, journalistic point of view. But I, I know fans didn't like it. But the thing about it, say, if you take the Izzy Brown thing, it was an absolute truth. You know, some people say, "Well, it's the truth." It wasn't, though, then, was you, it?
2: It wasn't that? though. Is it the Izzy Brown thing? It wasn't because when we didn't have Izzy Brown, we went on one of the best runs of the season. That's
1: true.
2: Well, at, at the so time, it wasn't.
1: At the, about the time when he said it. Yeah,
2: but us. but you you know as well as I do
1: that if the guy didn't come out and 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 say certain things, uh, supporters would have hammered him because he's not telling us anything. Why didn't he mm. give his own opinion on this? The guy the guy couldn't win. He that's the thing. Couldn't he it could not win, and that's that's the thing. You know, you know some people are tolerated in, in, in that tolerated him. In that sense, I think it's a shame because I I, I think he had turned the corner. Mm. You know, three games undefeated, and and I think the side was coming into form and, and I could see us getting out of the situation we were in, Oh, um, yep. you know, and, and he, he perhaps got it that way because I think people have got to remember that a new manager coming in needs time to, to, to build his own side, to get the players to play how he wants to play and I've said it before, I, I, I remember when David was given the the manager's job at Luton. He came up through the ranks. He joined the club as a youth coach and came all the way, got internal promotions. And I think he he just got the first team uh, coaching role um, literally weeks before Harry Haslam left. And uh, that first season, we came so close to getting relegated from what was Division 2. But he was given the time to build a side and then... You know, we continue to progress. We had two very close calls to getting promotion, and then the final season, we absolutely ran away with um, the Division Two title, which enabled us to return to the the top flight and have ten good years in the in the top flight. So, and I think at the moment these days, it, people just they want instant success. They're not letting managers have that time to build things the way they want to and I think there was a lot of things in that I think that was some of, some of the main things I think um, he, obviously he didn't have to hear hero state Mick had got he wasn't uh, he, he didn't have the persona uh, as Simon said of, of, of um, Nathan Jones or, or, or John Steele um, but he was a knowledge, knowledgeable guy you don't coach at the level he's coached that. Um, if you don't know football. You know, and, and I, I think um, under normal circumstances, if this had been a normal season, I think you'd still see him in the role. And I think you, you, you'd have probably carried on next season as well.
0: So we are left with Mick Carford in what, well, relationship manager role. If any of you three know what the hell one of them is, speak up now. Um But beyond that, we are going to appoint a new manager at some point. And if the bookmaker's odds are to be believed, it's going to be the return of, I guess you'd call a controversial figure, James, in Nathan Jones. A, would you want to see him back at the football club? And B, were he to return, would he be the right man? Ignoring the fact that he's not going to return. Yeah, exactly. He's not going to return. I don't know... (laughs) Where they're getting
1: this from i mean everything that i've uh, heard um it's that he left he left a bad taste in the mouth when he le- when he departed the club and went to stoke everybody knows that it wasn't done in the right way um, he could have left in a better way he could have left the club we've gone over this many times on this podcast i think he could have got the club into the championship and he would have been treated as a god and he would have been allowed to leave simple as but he didn't uh, and he left and that was bad enough and then he wore the stoke shirt when he collected his manager a month award when he got that at Luton, and that didn't help and all these things i just i can i can't see him ever coming back i'd be so surprised uh <laughs> i'd eat everyone's hat if uh if he came back uh what but I, I, do, I understand the speculation uh and the book he's saying that sort of thing what i don't understand. Is the short memories of people that are Luton fans, because he was a hero, and then he ruined it all, and he was hated, and now that people are forgetting it, like I'll oh, just get him back because you know there's there's cases to say it works if you go back, there's cases to say you should never go back, but uh, I think you'd have to build a lot of bridges to get the board to want him to come back, and that's the key thing I think.
2: I'm going to play devil's advocate here. On, if, we never forg- if we never forgave people in life, we'd never get anywhere.
1: True. Um, okay. I understand what you're saying, Simon, but at the same time, my attitude to that is, you know, if, if you were running a business, would you re-employ
2: somebody that you can't trust? That's, yeah, that's that's another aspect to it, isn't it? And I think there's there's two arguments. There's, there's what he did and the way he went about it. If, if we if we if we can sit here and say we've never mis- made a mistake in our lives that we look back and think, actually, I'd have probably done that slightly different. That's exactly what I think he's going through now. Um, and that's not to say that I'm fully supportive of him coming back or anything. I'm just trying to put a different spin on it. The other thing that interested me, and this is going to sound slightly controversial, I, I was going through some old DVDs and videotapes that I've got of loot and coverage and one that I stumbled upon by pure chance. September 2009 there's Luton fans after a game against Stevenage singing Sack McHardy mm. yes i
1: know i know and look,
2: and look where we are and look what he's achieved since you know it it wasn't right at the time you know it it we weren't happy Luton fans weren't happy with the performances and the results but there is clear as day hundreds if not thousand plus Luton fans singing that they want Mick Harford sacked at that moment in time. Mm. Well, okay, it's 10 opinion. years plus, but how long do you give anything in football, in life, whatever? As I say, I'm just playing devil's advocate slightly and putting a different argument to the spin of things. And every fan's got an opinion and that's perfectly understandable mm. and correct. And that, again, that's why we love football, because everybody thinks different.
1: I'm. I can safely say I wasn't one of those fans that called for me. No,
2: neither was I.
1: And if you talk to Mick now, Mick will turn around and say it was the right thing for the football club at the time. Um, And yeah, granted, everybody does make mistakes. Um, But for me, personally, there's no way I'd allow him anywhere near the club. Um, I've said it in the past that nobody has a problem or an issue with somebody moving on and bettering themselves and earning more money. We we would all do that if we got the opportunity. But all he had to say to the club was if the vacancy was there and Stoke made the approach, I'd like to talk to them. Yeah. That's all think, he had to do. Yeah. But he didn't a, do that. No. He didn't um, do that. He had meetings with them when he said yeah. he was somewhere else.
2: Yeah.
1: You know, there were officials from Stoke. That were um, brought to games at Luton you know, under false pretences. Yeah, you know, and then uh, you know he, he he turned around. The next thing we know, he, he he decided to accept the offer of, of Stoke and said, "Just come out of the blue and everything else." The guy lied. He yeah. lied through his teeth to us. I totally, no I totally agree. To that. And the yeah. final straw was that picture of him accepting that award in a Stoke City shirt. Yeah. You-
2: you know, just on the off chance on that much, though sorry sorry
1: tom how much sense does it take for somebody to think oh hang on a minute i'm with a different club now let me put a different top on or even put a training top over it you know with the arm down yeah. here hiding the bag that's all the guy had to do but again, what that says to me is it's all about him me,
2: again Me, just me, putting a different spin man. on that the Manager of the month is sponsored by Sky or as it as in the Sky Bet Football League mm-hmm. Stoke Stoke is sponsored by an alternative betting company do you not think there is a possibility i'm not saying i'm not defending him in any way in any way am i defending him but do you think there is a possibility that somebody at Stoke almost forced the wearing of that to show their sponsorship for an alternative betting company's award is that a possibility no i don't think i'll go along with that because you know as well as
1: i do at the end of the day um to a large extent in football these days uh sky cool cool too
2: yeah Um, i I mean i'm amazed they allowed that photo to be you but then again Mm. they've got that issue that you know that's who stoke are sponsored by so they can't get around it either It, it it was the thing is it's it's just that after everything that he achieved at Luton, it's such a shame that all of that then happened in the way it did. And as you say, the trophy thing was just the, the icing on the proverbial cake, wasn't it? The, that just put the nail in the proverbial the coffin.
1: We, we, we could all see, Simon, you know, um, you look back at it now, Stoke was totally the wrong job at the yeah. wrong time. You know, if he'd have stayed with us and got promotion with us yep. to the championship, the world was his oyster. Yep. He could have gone anywhere with anybody. He'd actually, you know, we, we'd got back-to-back promotions. He, he, and, and to be fair, I am grateful to him for what he did for our club. Mm. And, you know, that he, 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 to a large extent, particularly with the training and the regimes, he
2: modernised the club. Mm. But, um, and the team spirit and the fan spirit, yeah, as we yeah. said earlier, he got the fans on board and that's a massive thing. That is a massive thing to do. Mm-hmm. And it would be difficult if he was to come back to get the fans back again. Because as we've said, once you lose it, it's very, very difficult. Once you haven't got it, um, it's very if difficult. He, if he was to
1: come back, you know, can you imagine that a game where he's, you know, he's thumping his chest and giving yeah. it all that, but, you know, really Everybody would laugh at him.
2: That is the problem, isn't it? As I say, he's, he's got himself in that position now where it makes it very difficult. Um, I think the interesting thing as well is that you know, the players clearly still rate him and no matter what happened, yes, they're annoyed the way it's happened. Mm. But the number of them that went to his wedding a few months later, Mm. you know, there obviously is still that respect and that still understanding that, you know, no matter what he did that he may or may not regret, and I believe he does from interviews that I've heard, at the end of the day, he did a bloody good job at Luton and and the players clearly enjoyed working for him. You know, the team spirit and the team morale, (laughs) you couldn't fault it at that time. The difference there is, you're
1: talking about professionals who view it as a job, really, yeah, compared to fans whose life and love it is, really. So, the f- I, I would expect that would be the reaction of most of the players. But then you, you've got ten thousand fans. How many of them are going to be really against him? You know, they were rel- they were absolutely relishing the chance that when he came to Kenneth yeah. Road w- with Stoke, yeah. they couldn't wait for that. It was going to be they were going to give him hell yeah. Uh and that's that's the sort of gauge I'm taking from it. That uh, I, I, I still think there's a lot of fans waiting for whichever club he ends up at that come yeah. back to vote and to give there's, him the
2: stick. There, there's certainly though looking at the polls and looking at some of the interaction on social media. As we've said, football is an opinion for fans, and there are clearly opinions across the board and it's so difficult you've either got you're either one way or the other or you sat back and you look at it and you know I've tried to put a different argument across without necessarily saying which way I'm I'm sitting on the fence because you know I will on this particular occasion but I've got viewpoints and I've got friends who feel both ways and I can totally understand where they're coming from and you know it it is it's a very difficult one that you don't want to get into an argument with fellow Luton fans over yes or no on something like this the bookies favorites when was the last time the bookies favorite actually got the job at Luton in the first place
0: <laughs> yeah
2: you know so it's and it's not going to happen in the short term so why the bookies are even bothering um you know he's just there's nothing else discussion. to bet on Simon yeah well that's is it <laughs> and it is causing a discussion everybody's got an opinion on it and I, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to listen to anybody's view and I'm not going to argue with anybody I'm going to put a different view and I'm going to Speak both ways, because, you know, there is so much to discuss over a particular person. But at the end of the day, what happens on the pitch and the future of the football club is the most important thing.
0: Yeah, that's incredibly respectful, because uh, one of his last acts as a Luton manager was to blatantly lie to your face in a um, in an interview. So if he does return, I'm certainly looking forward to the first time you two come face to was He wasn't, that he is wasn't for exactly
2: sure. polite to you, either, was he, Simon? No, he wasn't. And, and that was the hardest interview I'd ever had with him. And, you know, at that time, I didn't know why. And mm-hmm. I didn't think, you know, I, I look back on, I mean, I, I love commentating and I really enjoy it and I'll make mistakes and I'll say something that other people don't agree with. And that's live commentary on a post-match interview. I've always known that's, that's something you have to do off the cuff and you don't know what to expect. You know, you ask a question that you think perfectly innocent and you suddenly get a backlash. And I've had it with other managers, um, you know, one or two others in the past where I've asked something that I have thought was a, a fair question to ask. And for whatever reason, they've reacted in a way. And you're like, oh, hang on a minute. That's not how it was supposed to come across. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that that day at Hillsborough, I was like, well, you know, what what is going on here? It, it, it just seemed something didn't seem quite right. I, but, and that, and that, as you say, chances are he knew full well there and then what was happening. Rumours are that players were told in the in the dressing room that day. Whatever, I don't know the stories. There's all sorts of talk as the current, you know. But yeah, it was a tough interview, and I don't like interviews like that because that's not what I'm I'm here to do a job for. I'm I'm here to enjoy it. I'm a Luton fan, and you know I want to give a service to the fans and uh, get the answers that they want when they when they can.
0: Would I mean, if it is any consolation if it is any consolation, that game was boring as hell. So you were um, absolutely spot on. James, let's move it on I, I, a little bit. Okay, I, I just thought, I looked at it
1: and I, I listened to that interview and I thought, that's not exactly a Christian attitude.
0: Well, <laughs> there wasn't much that week that was Christian, was there, allegedly. Um, James, let's move it on a bit. At some point, we are going to have to appoint a new manager. Uh, what sort of a manager would you would like to see in charge of the club?
1: Um, it's so difficult because I've not seen any of the last well the last team managers I've not seen them uh, you know I've not had them as sort of like an obvious target well let's face it most people didn't even know them Um, I was aware of Graham Jones a little more than I was aware of Nathan Jones uh, but still not to any great extent um I think I think Luton fans will want him to play a certain way, which is you know really has been instilled by Nathan Jones. Essentially, I mean John Steele got them up uh, playing a John Steele way of football, but then Nathan Jones laid the foundations for what has been the last two three years, and and Graham Jones was expected to come along, and sort of take that mantle and do the same sort of thing. Um, and it was thrilling. I mean, you can't get over the fact that the way that they played football in League Two and League One was wonderful. And so you'd love to see that a bit more. Um, so any manager that can come along with a sort of progressive attacking attitude like that, I think um, would be welcome. I don't know who that guy is. I just genuinely don't. I, 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 I know more about the people that I don't want because I keep seeing their names pop up. And I think why... What, what football have you watched in your lifetime from the likes of Neil Warnock? other than the fact that he gets teams out of the championship? What have you seen that makes you want to watch that football? Because I, I don't know. I see that name pop up so many times. It's unbelievable. Um, you know, the, the the guy has done well at what he's done, but there comes a time in every serial career where you have to say that he's past it, and he is. So let's leave that one alone.
0: Yeah, Um, well, Neil Warnock brings its own um, types of controversy, doesn't it? Because uh, as part of his backroom staff, Kevin Blackwell, and he's about as wanted around here as Nathan Jones, I would imagine.
1: (laughs) Well, probably... Less so, perhaps. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Yeah, considering what happened when he was in charge, definitely. So, uh, yeah, I mean, the the fact that they're not even going to look until there's some um, sense of when football might come back, uh, tells you probably they don't know. But I reckon they might have an idea of the sort of people they want because we know that they do their research and they plan for the next thing so that when the unexpected happens, as it has in the last two managers going, I mean, that they've got an idea of who they want. And I fully expect it would probably be somebody that we have not heard of, um, uh, somebody maybe who hasn't had a managerial job, as the last two managers haven't. And you've got to take into account the fact that when uh, football does come back, and hopefully uh, it does, and Luton are able to get back, the financial aspects are going to be such an important part of uh, any any appointment that you you have to say it's going to have to be a cheap one. It's going to have to be somebody that ain't going to cross the earth. Uh, so somebody new and untried is probably where you, 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 might, you might expect it to go. I can't give you a name. I just can't because I don't, I wouldn't even know. I, I don't go around studying uh, coaches and technical coaches and number twos to find out who's good. I just don't know. It's not my job. But I expect the board are very good at it. There
0: no that's fair enough I mean we've got nine games of football left this season if this season is completed and we'll come on to that in a little while uh, does anyone really see anyone other than Mick Harford guiding us through those nine games I
1: agree with James he <laughs> beat me to it I was going to say somebody cheap <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, uh, it's difficult I mean there's been so many you know names speculation starting you know Atkins Coleman's another one now isn't it and you know, I think the fact that we're a championship club and the fact that we're hopefully still going to be a championship club, I think is probably going to attract more people. Um, and hopefully coming out of this football, we'll have a more, well, a sharp dose of their uh, financial realism. Um, so it's interesting. Me personally, I would want to see somebody who is more of a motivator, Somebody who can literally get their players, uh, you know, dying for them on the pitch. You know, hopefully not coronavirus, but you know what I mean. That sort of person who can get them up and motivated and getting them fighting. Um, That's the sort of person we need because, you know, we're always going to be at a financial disadvantage at the level we're at.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've got the uh, sort of list of names in front of me that bookmakers are quoting as supposed favourites. Like we've said, probably not any of these because we're not looking at the minute, but you've got Nathan Jones, Mick Arford, Tommy Wright, Michael Flynn, Nigel Adkins, as you just said, and Alan Sheehan, which could be interesting. Mm. Chris Coleman, I don't think anyone would even look twice at Gareth Ainsworth. Ian Everett, Mm. Paul Tisdale.
1: Mm. Well, he played decent football at Exeter, I suppose, to Tinsdale I don't know what he did when he was at Don's, but... Uh, <clears>
2: they, they will be used to playing in front of empty stadium. stadiums, so that might help, depending on when the season starts.
0: <laughs> 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 I'll tee them up. You put are them, you up, saying
1: you, they'll have an unfair advantage at Stadium MT then, are <laughs> Yeah, of course they will. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: They're used to it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, Simon just, um, just to conclude this sort of section then uh, what kind of a manager would you like to see the club go for At the end Don't of the day you've, name you've, or anything like that
2: um, you know a manager as we've said you could have somebody come in who's experienced who you know or you could have somebody come in that you've never heard of before but does a brilliant job we've had both of those recently we've had a legend in Mick Harford come in um, we need a manager that knows Luton Town we need a manager that will appeal to the fans we need a manager that will motivate the players um I'm not going to rule anyone in or anyone out by names all I'm going to stipulate from my perspective as a Luton Town fan is a manager of my football club I want to understand my football club and that's from players fans staff and just the whole ethos and the team spirit and everything that we've been brought up to love about Luton Town that manager has got to love as well
1: yeah.
2: There's something I,
1: I, I've thought as well, and it's very much in the realms of wild speculation, but all cards are on the table because we don't know the reason behind why Graham Jones has gone. <clears throat> but you must have thought this at least once, I'm not saying that I believe it, but because we don't know why, uh, how he's gone and what the situation is, it could be very conceivable that they've got him
2: off the wage bill until they can afford it. And he comes back, Graham Jones. I said yeah. exactly that to somebody back along.
1: Yeah. He could have just, you know, yeah. he's not, he's not got anyone to manage at the moment. His, his coaches haven't got anyone to coach. So get him off the wage bill for a bit and get, and maybe he comes back. Who knows? That, that could be an option. I have no insight on it whatsoever because uh, the club have not said anything.
0: Imagine if, uh, if that comes to fruition. Uh, either way, uh, we will keep our eyes peeled on this situation, but we
2: don't expect any movement. Uh, At the end of the day, we've t- got every trust that we just had. We've got every trust in our board and 2020 to do the right thing by the football club. And I think whatever our personal opinions on anything, on individuals, on players, on anything, we all are fully 100% behind those people that are making these decisions and the reason that they're making them. And I think, you know, I think that's... Yeah, important. absolutely. For all the
0: speculation that we do on this podcast, we would absolutely echo that I'll, comment. I'll tell you
2: what, I'm
1: going to speak to Gary Sweet. I'm going to see if I can get the information out of him. Is that what they're doing about Graham Jones? And then if he is, I'm going down the hookies, mate. <laughs> <laughs> after,
0: after lockdown's ended, of course. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Okay let's uh, bring it back to well the football that is to come. Uh, there was a leak over the weekend chaps I don't think it was meant to come out from the Bristol Rovers PFA representative but it did. Um, that's They're suggesting there's going to be no football fans at football until 2021 and James that was echoed today by the FHM and Greg Clark so I think we're now going to have to kind of get our heads around to officially not go into a football match until 2021. What's your reaction to that? It's hard
1: to take, isn't it? I think um, everybody was hoping that they'd at least get back, if not this season, then next season. But if you're saying that people can't go to a game of football now till January, uh, <clears throat> I think there are going to be a lot of people in denial and think that they'll still be able to, but you've got to look at the fact that the lockdowns are still in place all over the world and uh, the virus is not going to go away and all the science says that we will not be out of this to any uh, comfortable degree until there's a vaccine. So that could be 12 to 18 months, um, they reckon. So, uh, you know... the. If if you're looking at that, you would have thought that there's a high possibility you're not going to get to go these again. But obviously, everybody's quite you, you have to quite hold out some hope and have some optimism. Um, but yeah, it's uh, he's it looking that way. And uh, what are we going to do with ourselves?
0: <laughs> well, this is the thing, Tony, isn't it? I mean, these are people that are not only in the game, but involved in the decision-making, you know, PFA representatives may not actually be involved in the decision-making itself, but they're going to get the the sort of word from the people that are. And of course, Greg Clark's the senior figure at the FA. So if they are coming out with this realistically as football fans, we need to start to get our head around. It may well be the case.
1: Mm, Yeah. I mean, I tend to feel a bit like help me on melting. You know, it's uh, the thought of no live football until twenty twenty one is actually I'm, I'm I'll go stir so crazy. I think um, the thing the thing what we've got to look at is it's an opportunity. Really, we, we, we've got to look at it in a, in a positive way, and and everybody's talking about it's an opportunity for football to restructure um, and to actually gain some financial sense. Um, I think, yeah, we we have got to look at it that way. And to me, I think there's been an organisation that's been very, very quiet, hasn't come out and said anything, and that's the Football Supporters Association. I'm very disappointed. They've they've had nothing to say about it. I mean, we've heard from the FA, we've heard from the League, we've heard from the Premier League, you know, the, the PFA as well, but nothing from supporters. Uh, and I think now would be a good time for supporters to group together and band together and start putting their voice across because the clubs are are, are, are in desperate financial situation. I mean, maybe not the Premier League, but from the Championship down now. So now, in, in reality, I feel I to a certain extent the power is with the supporters. Um, I, I would desperately want to see football do something in terms of restructuring and uh, get away from from money 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 because you know it's called a big business it's called an industry um but at the end of the day it's a game that's what it, it came through as a game it, it's entertainment it, you know it's been taken away from the working man it needs to be brought back into that forum and uh, you know, not seen or not be a vehicle um, for people who just want to make money. You know, at the at the moment, the, realistically, you look at the game, and it's not decided on on who's got uh, the most competitive team, who's got the best team at the top level of the game. It's about who's got the most money can pay the players, and 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 realistically, it is only a matter of time before the the whole house of cards comes tumbling down. I mean, what we've seen so far with this is just how fragile the whole thing is and and how easily it can be derailed. You know, the the, the whole ethos of football was that, you know, any club can start at the bottom level and rise up through the pyramid on, on merit. Um and, and now that's that's gone out the window. Yeah, I mean people talk about the, the Scottish League being dominated by two clubs. You've got the same sort of thing in, in the Premier League, you know, with a handful of four, five, six clubs doing the same thing. And I, I just find it so hard to believe that, you know, um most of the press talk and everything uh Regarding the Premier League, it's not about um, who's going to be champions. It's about who the hell is going to finish fourth place. And I find the whole thing ridiculous. You know, you've got clubs now, you know, like Leeds United are in desperate straits. Um, They're losing a million pounds a week. They've gambled on getting to the promised land. Looks like it's going to backfire on them. They're going to be in desperate straits. And it's the same going down through the championship. Now, in one sense, this is good. It, it's a positive thing for Luton because, oh, yeah, you know, we're struggling, but we're not going to be in the same financial straits as a lot of other clubs. So at the end of it, we could come out a lot healthier than other clubs around us. You know, but for me as a Luton fan, ain't great. But honestly, you know, the money that's sloshing about, and, and, and when you see – the amounts of money that players are getting, it, the whole thing is ridiculous. You know, it, 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 as I said, it's a house of cards and, and it needs a serious dose of realism to come back into the real, the real world to re-engage with supporters because I've said this before, it's, it's the only, well, I hate it calling an industry or business, but it's the only one that doesn't talk to its customers and, and look to give what its customers want. You know, football will bend over backwards for the shilling from from the broadcasters. You know, and that comes before supporters. You know, where you've got games being moved at a, at a, a short notice because it's a cut replay, or ridiculous kickoff times. You know, where supporters have trouble getting to the game, and then a lot of times they have trouble getting home after the game. If, it, if it's like so so. Um, I'd, I would like to think that something can be done and, 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 and some pressure can be put to bear on the authorities, um, especially the, the football association, because um, as a governing body, it's relatively toothless. So you've always got the, the, the situation of the tail wagging the dog. So I'm a bit sorry about me rant. No, I'm not sorry about me rant. i getting on your soapbox. But that, that's, I've got strong feelings about it, put it that way.
0: No, I mean, if there is one good thing to come out of with this potential hiatus for um footballer from a fan's point of view, it will be that football is reset. And I know listening to him on Talk Sport most days, Simon Jordan's very much um, an advocate of that as well. And although I don't necessarily think he's the greatest person to talk about what football should and shouldn't do, given the way he ran Crystal Palace, he does at least put his um, mouth on the line, so to speak. Simon, what's your view on um, potentially football well football fans not going to another game of football this year
2: yeah i mean it's, it's the realism of the world that we're in at the moment isn't it unfortunately and mm-hmm. you know you just can't see how until a vaccine is found for this virus that we can be in a mass gathering whether it be football whether it be music whether it be whatever um and you know for those of us that just live and breathe going to Kenilworth road and going to away games on a saturday and a tuesday then um You know, it's it's a huge, huge loss, and even just the nine games, you know, from this season, it it felt really weird on Saturday. I suddenly thought at lunchtime we should be kicking off against Blackburn Rovers. You know, having celebrated, staying up in the championship, and you know, a carnival atmosphere, and it it just it's just so it's just so odd, and everybody's feeling it. You know, none, very few people are working in the same way. You're not seeing friends. You're not socialising. You know, you're not catching up down the brickies before a game or after a game. And the loss of football and the loss of life generally is, there are more important things than football out there, but it does mean so much to so many people, us all included. Um, so it, we can only be doing it when it's safe to do so. And sadly, I, I just do not agree whatsoever With Project Restart from the Premier League, that are literally, from the way I view it, doing it because they've got money behind it. You know, that is the be all and end all that they're trying to get the Premier League running is because of the money that's involved in it all. And that's just a sad state of affairs. Um, Something soon has got to give, you know, and. As much as we miss it, as much as it's tough, as much as it's hard for every single individual at this moment in time, um, we cannot have football happening until it is safe to do so. And until such time that you are not taking uh, the tests, you're not taking the medical staff, you're not taking the police officers away from doing what is the most important thing, and that is keeping the country safe and keeping you and I safe at this moment in time. Football cannot happen until that time. Um, when it's safe to do so, if they feel they played games behind closed doors, at least there's the option of whatever watching it on TV um, and being able to enjoy the, the the thrill of a game, but it's still not the same as being there but you know if, if that is the next best thing, and we need to do that before we can get um, a, a crowd back in a ga- in a ground then. That's the next step, but sadly, it's not going to be for months and months. And you know that does affect us all. We, you know, we all look forward to it. We all do a week's work so that we can go to football. Um, And and it's hard. It is really difficult not having that enjoyment, Um, you know, and the passion and the adrenaline and the buzz and everything that goes with a football match. And um, yeah, but it can't happen until it's safe to do so. I'm sorry, it cannot happen until it's safe to do so.
0: Just on that then, gents, and I'm well aware I've not pre-warned you with this question, but when it is safe to do so, would any of you have any reservations about going to football?
1: Well, it depends if you're talking about fans coming back or behind closed doors. Um,
0: yeah, fan, I think, fans coming back when crowds are allowed into football. Would you be straight there, or would you still have reservations?
1: Well, I can't see it happening until it's safe to do so. Really, the, the, the idea that they'd allow that many people in a in a venue, the amount of stick that's that they're getting now for things like Cheltenham and Festival, that got the go ahead, and. Uh, as it is um it's badly affected that area i've I heard yesterday that the area around cheltenham has got one of the highest rates of covid infection undoubtedly that that festival has caused that um it was allowed to go ahead so uh i think at, at every stage the the government are catching up not in a good way they they're, they're they're learning from or not learning from mistakes they're reacting to mistakes and the mistakes are costing lives so uh, I'd be very surprised you know all the things that we do like um, you know for myself it's you know football music and the pub I can't see any of them happening again uh, this year Um, and that's pretty hard to take Uh, but it didn't um, uh, there's a lot of debate about when it comes back and how it comes back, I just feel quite aggrieved that it didn't have to happen this way. It didn't have to be this way, um, particularly for our country. That we saw it happening elsewhere in the world and did nothing. They, they had weeks to prepare and they did nothing. That they, um, they got rid of stockpiles of stuff. Uh, they didn't attend pandemic meetings. They didn't attend the prime minister didn't attend Cobra meetings. It did not have to happen this way. There's Germany, there's there's players back now training in Germany. They've got, um, I think I'm right in saying they've got more bigger population. That is certainly a bigger country. And they've only had 6,000 deaths. So that's 6,000 too many, but it's far better than us. And we had weeks and week, months to prepare them. The scale of what's happening and the amount of people that are suffering and dying from this, and it's not the right number, it's higher, and they're not telling you this. And every day they're coming out and they're being allowed to virtually get away scot-free with lying on national television. And when are people going to like feel aggrieved by what they've done? They've taken away our football. You know, the, the football uh, authorities, fair play to them, they stopped football when the government was saying it was OK to still do it. So when are, when are we going to feel aggrieved by what they've done to our, I mean, you know, the things that we love, which... You know, purposes. This is football, so it's pretty hard to take when uh, a there's that many people dying, and then the the effects that are going to go on for so long.
2: Yeah, and while I don't agree with that was a political broadcast from the James Cumming
0: party. <laughs> Indeed, <laughs> while I don't disagree with any of that, bringing it away from question time and back
2: to uh, the <laughs> what, football. I I'd vote for
0: you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's,
2: you know, no matter what your political views, hindsight's a wonderful thing um i've never got involved in politics but you know there are things that you look back on you say yeah we'd have done that different or we'd have done this different it, nobody nobody could foresee what has happened in the world um in 2020 and uh, everything is 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 happening because of it isn't it and you know well, decisions we could are made. Though, that's
1: the thing we could we could have seen it it was happening it was a absolutely terrible state of affairs in italy and we did nothing Whereas um, the, uh, the country that I've mentioned, Germany, mm. they've, they've managed it properly. Uh, you know, they've still suffered, don't get me wrong, but yeah. um, they're getting back to some sense of normality. Mm. You would have thought that anybody with a modern sense would have looked at it and, and thought, do you know what, this, is, this looks like it's heading our way. And yeah. I thought we'd, we'd, better, we'd better start stockpiling stuff just mm. in case. If it it doesn't
2: come this far, we're going to use it anyway. Uh, Again, playing devil's advocate, hindsight says, if we'd have gone into lockdown earlier, pre all of this, given the state of affairs where you still see people outside now um, in the lockdown, when we have got all these deaths and everybody suffering, you know, would people have just turned around and said, sod it, I'm still going down the path? Because they did. Mm. You know, that weekend, everybody was... A lot of people... We're, we're down the pub saying, well, this is the last chance we're going to get. Well, sorry, wrong mentality. You know, I, I think an earlier lockdown would have just, it, it would have just backfired for one uh, one argument or another, wouldn't it? Just be great yeah, for possibly. Let's just living bring, in America. bring hmm. this back to uh, <laughs> yeah, football. Football related, eh?
0: Hey? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, my next question to all three of you, actually, but I appreciate that you're all going to come at this from a different angle. One's a journalist, one might possibly be commentating on games, and one's going to be a, well devoid of the chance to go in the stands. But does behind closed doors football interest you in any way, shape, or form?
1: No, not in not in any normal sense in uh, the normal world whatsoever. But I'm so bloody bored. I would take I would take football uh, anywhere I could get it to be quite honest, and it, I would. It wouldn't be the same. Um, I feel slightly uneasy about it, but God, I'm bored. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd agree to a certain extent with James. I mean, I've, I've seen some madcap suggestions like uh, on Sky, they they put in a CGI crowd and put in sound you know, effects and everything. And I'm thinking, God almighty. Because, you know, when football got back to something, you know, um, sense of uh, reality and it's all back to normal um i could see them doing that again anyway you see this is bad this was a trend that we started a few years ago by watford when they started piping crowd noise in you remember that Mm -hmm. (laughs) a few years ago they they started doing that you know to me the
2: the only way you could have behind closed doors is if it didn't actually count for anything so it's it's not Finishing this season. So let's let's talk about EFL. Don't care about the Premier League, whatever they decide they're gonna do, whether they play in Australia, Timbuktu, or wherever. Agree concentrate with you, concentrate on the EFL now and Luton Town Football Club. If it's safe to do so and they feel that they can play games behind closed doors, you set up a mini tournament, not the end of the 1920 season, not the start of the 2020 se- 21 season. You have a tournament. Local sides you know to play football, let's put something on TV for, for people to be able to watch and enjoy, but it should not define the end of last season or the start of a new season. Don't give me all this integrity of the competition rubbish by saying you can't void a season and then say, well we'll, we'll finish the season behind closed doors. That is not the integrity of the competition you You have to say you cannot. You cannot finish 1920 season under the same circumstances it started. That is not going to happen because there's players out of contract on June the 30th. So therefore, the season is not going to be the same. Anything behind closed doors has got to be for the fun and the love of the game and only when it is safe to do so. And if we can get something on TV for fans to watch and you've got mini tournaments or mini leagues... To get us through until we're able to start properly in 2021, 22, perhaps even, then so be it. But it is not; it is not to finish this season. Did I make that point clear enough? Did I get? That? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I let, 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 let me just get that you you
0: don't want it to be used to finish this season again. Yeah, no, we, we call cool with that. So just on that then, James, is football right or is it wrong to be planning its future right now? We are still. I mean, I know. Um, well. The government are saying that we're past the peak now, but we're still in lockdown, as you said. Social distancing is still going to be in place way, way, way into the future, even if lockdown's lifted on Friday, which many people are doubting will actually happen anyway. So is football right or is it wrong to plan its future now? It's neither, Kev. It, they are damned if they do and they are damned
1: if they don't, quite honestly. If they seem to be sitting around doing absolutely nothing, people have a moan. Uh, and if they seem to be trying to plan a way out of this, uh, which they've freely admitted they, they've they got an idea of what they want to do, but they can't properly plan out of it because they don't know how the situation is going to manifest itself. So um, <clears throat> it's, in one sense of the word, it's prudent management to try and create contingency strategies. So I can see why they were doing it that, that way. Um, not doing anything is going to be worse than anything they're doing now at least it sort of it kind of creates debate but the, the the debate is going to be polarized whatever you want to say however they decide they're going to come out of this whatever they choose um, they are going to split opinion and and there's going to be a large section of people that don't like it and a large section that do. There'll be a section of people like me who both don't like it and accept it because I'm so bored.
2: Let's be fair about things at the moment. How many clubs have actually had their season decided as to up or down at this moment in time? in in comparative to the football league structure
0: are we talking
2: just in England generally i mean it, 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 so league league 1 in France has been called off and they've crowned their champions lower yeah. leagues in Scotland have you know crowned their champions on points per game so somebody in third has been crowned champions at the end of the day in the in the premier league and the three football leagues how many teams have actually basically realistically either been promoted or relegated very very few you could yeah, argue just, you could argue Liverpool, Liverpool in the Premier League oh, yeah. you know so far clear you, yeah fine let's let's agree with that um, <laughs> Steve Nich down in League 2 <laughs> yeah, but there, there aren't that many clubs whose season has been defined at this moment in time let's just stop mucking around let's stop putting all these clubs under pressure let's give some some stability to the players that are, are suffering because there's players that are going to be out of contract on the June 30th. They're going to get their severance pay in July because they get the extra month. They are not going to get a club until everybody knows what is going on. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, it's not going to be great. you know. There's a lot of people suffering around the world, not just footballers who are earning more money than the average and some players that aren't earning that. Yes. At the end of the day, you cannot... I cannot see how we can just keep this ticking over ticking over it just it's just going on too long just going on too long
1: which is again is is, is going to put further financial pressure on clubs and yeah. you know with clubs you know a very real chance of some clubs going out of business and yeah. they're all going to happen. Up, they're all lining up looks by the looks of it to go into admin you know yeah. and uh, where's it going to happen I mean the thing is if, if a club goes into admin then you've got the further um, thing about points deductions haven't yep. you and you know pri- it just makes know. a farce of the competition oh, then it does I agree with you I totally agree with you Simon there you go Kev you've got all three of us in agreement haven't you
0: yeah. <laughs> it's taken quite a long time but I am delighted that I finally managed you to get, get you three tonight, you? <laughs> <laughs> you three agree to the same thing um Final point on this, then obviously, and I know, and so I, I agree again, I agree with Simon that I don't really care what the Premier League do, but football is going to be started out in this country by what the Premier League do. So, is, yeah. is anyone happy that so many tests are going to be used up on footballers and people that are going to be playing football when really the need is elsewhere?
1: No, because it, it you know, it, as uh, it's been mentioned earlier, how serious things are. And no matter what they said, I mean, Gary, to to give him his credit, turned round and said, you know, we'd only consider it if it didn't, um, you know, affect NHS resources. But whatever happens, it's going to, you know, these ideas of playing behind closed doors, because it's not just a question of, you know, two squads of players turning up. You, mm-hmm. you know, you've got groundsmen, you've got, you still got to have safety officers there, you've got to have medical staff there, you know, you, you've got four match officials. You're even going to have things like, you know, ball boys there, and you're still going to have a police presence because you know you're going to have some numpty still turn up, you know, to follow their club. Um, So it it is going to impinge on, and it will only take one player to be tested positive, to make a mockery of the whole thing. You know, and uh, I'm sorry at the end of the day, I I, I agree to what Simon said. You know, we're, and 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 James has said we all we all desperately miss our football. Not not just the game; it's it's the social activity of meeting the people that you you go for a drink before the game, and the same group of people you sit in the ground. You know, a lot of those I haven't seen for weeks. You know, and and um, it it it's just in the grand scheme of things, it really, and honestly, doesn't mean anything. Really, does it? You know, it, it, it it's it's an entertainment, it's a game, um, you know, um, and people's lives are at stake here. You know, you, and I'm sure with the players, I, I'm sure there's lots of players that are worried and scared about it because they're going to go into a situation they could catch the virus, they could bring it home to their families, their children. You know, it, 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 I I think the whole thing is 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 a ticking time bomb waiting to go off.
2: The un- the only way that they've said they can do this behind the clothes. I mean, one of the things they're talking about is perhaps playing at St. George's Park where yeah. all the Premier League teams rock up. They all get tested. You know, they disinfect the place. They clean the place down. And then, but they've got to be continuously tested. And yeah. it's just it just, make, it just shows it is so money related. I think they said for the EFL to be able to play games, it would take 66,000 tests to be able to do that. And I, then I, you've got I, to keep doing it. I, I, and you've got to keep I, I, doing it. I, I,
1: I could see it now, Simon. You'll have Liverpool come on in all red hazmat suits. Yeah. Again, <clears throat> Chelsea in all blue. You know, different colour hat. You know, it's, it's, it's just, just crazy. And then this other idea, who had the idea of um, playing them in Australia?
2: Yeah, because they're not, effect, they're not affected as much, are they? And then they've pointed out that the pitches are harder because yeah. they play Australian rules football and cricket on them. Yeah. You know, well, and that, again, that just shows they are doing it. To, money.
1: because of the money. Yeah, exactly. That's, you know, and, and like I said earlier, that's the be-all and end-all, with, mm. with, particularly the Premier League, is the money, the money. And of course, then you've got the championship, they're all, we want to get in the Premier League, because that's where the money is. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean, unless, and let's not forget all these lower league sides, because football yeah. is a pyramid. Football goes from top to bottom. If it wasn't for every single level of football that exists in England, UK, around the world, you wouldn't have the top flight Premier League, your Arriva Daisy, your Bundesliga, with all the players and all the high money that Sky and all the other TV companies are paying. You wouldn't have that without every other level existing as well. And I think, you know, we've got to put the feelers out there to all these non league clubs where there's volunteers behind the scenes keeping those clubs running on minimal money that the players in the Premier League are earning every week would more than keep those clubs afloat for a season. And, and where they're at now with not knowing what's going on. Their seasons are finished. You know, their players are, are gone. It's it's just so sad that, you know, every focus is on Project Restart and the Premier League. And, you know, that seems to be the be-all and end-all whenever you turn the telly on or look on Twitter for what's happening in the world. I, I, I think
1: that's, that's as well something where the, the PFA need a big wake-up mm. call because... You know, um, I know what they're doing. They're leaving it to, in, in, you know, the players as a group at each club to negate the And they said, no, there'd, there'd be no wage drops less than 30%. But the PFA have got to realise that the financial pressures on clubs, if they go to the wall, it effectively yep. means there's less employers out there. Yep. There'll be more players on the market, which yep. means wages are going to come down
2: anyway. Come down anyway. It's going to be the yep. same with managers. And, and there'll be less taxes being paid, which is what's funding the, every furlough scheme the NHS and everything else at the moment
1: yeah I, I would on it I mean when, and when you think that the Premier League have got something like 1.4 billion in reserve I yeah. would like to see the FA turn around before they, all this happens turn around and say do you know what there's a le- levy on the money that you guys bring in I know they they give some you know out of the goodness of their heart they give some money to grassroots football and everything else but it's not enough
2: there yeah. should
1: be a levy, a, a levy on what they bring in that passes down
2: to the rest of the clubs why should there be a parachute payment for a club going out of the Premier League? Yeah. Yeah. Why? Well, we, you know. I mean, you know why, I mean, why are you getting rewarded for failure?
1: Exactly, yeah. And what that effectively does is the knock on season, you know, yeah. that club has got an unfair advantage financially. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes it backfires on them in Sunderland. Yeah. London, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, it. it it's dreadful. But then. These clubs, if they don't get an immediate return to the higher level, they're then in dire financial situation. And that's when, you know, they start looking at things and they're bordering on the edge of admin. And and as I said, the whole thing is sheer craziness driven by greed.
2: Yeah,
0: Yeah, hopefully there is a reset with regards to all the... um... Discrepancies in finance in football, that is for sure. Just to wrap this section of the podcast up, then, we, well, we don't see football being played anytime soon, but as football fans, unfortunately, it looks like it's going to be even longer before we get to go to a game. Let's just hope that when it does return, as many clubs as possible are still in existence for us to play against.
1: Why well, don't, the other thing, why don't they, you know, another idea that seems... To me, it's no more crazy than than what they're proposing. They have one player from each uh, from each club. They go to a venue, just one player, and they decide it by
0: playing Subutio. <laughs> or
2: FIFA
1: Online. Yeah, yeah, FIFA Online. That's another thing, yeah.
0: Do then it. I look at a couple of the players that we've had playing FIFA Online. I don't think our chances are going to be good, are they? So <sighs> maybe we'll put that one on the back burner, which hopefully we'll get some more of in the future. Uh, but we've had some in the recent past. We're recording this podcast on what Star Wars fans would call, um, well, Star Wars Day. I think Luton fans now dub it as um, Sir Mick Day, don't they, Simon? Because it was a year ago today that Mick Arthur got his redemption and the Town 1 League 1. And I'm going to come to you to get your reflections of that day. Firstly, because you were commentating on the game. And secondly, you led most of the post-match interviews after the game.
2: Yeah, I mean, just... An incredible, incredible afternoon, wasn't it? Um, I mean, it was great that Portsmouth had beaten Peterborough in the week. So, um, sorry, Peterborough had beaten Portsmouth in the week. So, we knew that we were going up. Um, but we hadn't won the league at that moment in time. So, to go into that game, we could enjoy the celebrations of promotion. But, you know, there was still the are we going to win the league? And George Moncur's free kick early in the game. And then uh, Elliot and George scoring again, you know, just terrific, terrific afternoon. And you just look back on that day and think, wow, what a season. Um, You know, after taking the lead uh, at the top of the table against Southend in January, then beating Portsmouth 3-2 in midweek, that was the top two. And then from that moment on, we didn't relinquish the top position. But as a Luton fan, you're always thinking, what if, what if, are we going to do it? And, you know, the actual enjoyment the, and the And the actual, yes, it's happened, that final week of the season was was what it was all about. you know, the celebrating when we weren't even playing, and then just the whole day at Kenilworth road to to win three one and you know to then have the opportunity to interview Mick and all the players afterwards was just unbelievable and you know it's been fantastic today seeing the photos that people have been sharing on Facebook and Twitter and th- a year ago oh. today, and there I am. You know interviewing them, and it's what dreams are made of. You know, winning League One was incredible, and to speak to them all, as you said, the legend that is Mick Arford. And you know, from his perspective, it was redemption for what happened in 2009. Nobody blamed him for that season, um, you know, at, at the end of 08 09 with the 30 points. But for, for the whole football club, that, that was the turnaround, and we were back in the championship and we were champions of League One. Um, you know and, and what a wonderful season Sunderland Till I Die season two was um, yeah. you know that, that was just great because I, yeah. I, I knew what happened you know and yeah. it was fantastic we won the league
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah anyone not seen that on Netflix um, yeah sorry spoiler um, alert has oh, just spoiled I it for you but hey uh, <laughs> well, Luton
2: well won well the league, league on Sunderland Till I Die season two
0: James, I'll come to you because I know um, we're going to speak about another day, which was also pretty special to you. But I I remember seeing you in the pub, sort of way into the um, late hours of that night after the win over Oxford, and I think we were both sort of taken aback by how fantastic the day was. You was right in the middle of those scenes in the director's box as well. What were your? Well, almost scared to ask what were your memories of it, but what do you (laughs) recollect of it? It was kind of it was kind of just like
1: the perfect day, really, um, with <clears throat> all the pressure being taken off. The fact that they got up and that was a surprise as well. I was at a gig in London, Blinders, in the and, um, and We got the news doing one of the songs, and we were going a bit more bananas than everyone else, and getting some strange looks. But so it was nice to get to the weekend, knowing that it was up, and then uh yeah, well, it was party time, wasn't it? a in the Whack that free kick in the bottom corner, and uh, yeah, it was just perfect stuff. The celebrations, uh, having that many people flood onto the pitch, and all looking up at the directors' box where the players come and celebrate, and you know Mick leading the charge, and it, it, it was one of those things. I know Simon did all the interviews and um, on, on the pitch, and that was great. And then, but I, I, I really really enjoyed back down in the uh, in the bowels of the Kenny just getting to speak to um Mick because I was there on that day when Luton went out of the football league and it was the worst day of uh, my football watching uh life, let alone football writing career.
0: You you're not alone there, funnily enough.
1: <laughs> yeah uh well yeah but i had to ask him the questions after that game and i had no interest in asking him questions about what what you know how he felt about it cuz he moved but he he just looked devastated that day so to ask him did it feel like redemption for you I and mean, him to say yes and uh, elaborate on that point is like it was the perfect ending it's fairy tale stuff and it's it's, it's kind of I am. I'd be a bit reluctant if Mick had to take charge of any more games because I think he's done everything he needed to do. He's 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 put the seal on that story uh, in a most perfect, perfect way. Um, and for him to have to take charge of any more games, I, I got the impression from back then he that was it. He didn't want to do it uh, anymore, and he'd done what he needed to do. He stepped in twice for the club. Once it went not the turn, and the second time they got back to where they belong so um yeah it, it was it was just it was just such a uh, it's just an incredible day considering as well that we'd been there 12 months previously and and seen Newton gone up uh, uh, and if you remember and people can go back and watch, listen to episodes of this podcast from that time when we started that league one season uh, and I know I said, well, it'd be nice to just consolidate in this league. <laughs> no, I didn't expect them to go up. And then they romped away with it. And let's also not forget that the season was actually incredible because Luton had to go on a record-breaking run to win that title. There were th- three, four, five teams in that in that um, title race, and it went down to the final day of the season in any other league season that would never have happened the way that Luton went about you know 28 games unbeaten that the title should have been won long before the final day of the season so it, it made for just a brilliant spectacle I and mean, then you've got you know the, the players like hometown lad JJ and uh Jack Stacey doing it and uh, well, they were, they were mostly that team that came up from League Two as well. It's just yeah, perfect, as well as having to lose Nathan Jones in the middle of the season and thinking oh, that's game up now. And it wasn't, it was the start of something magical. It was, uh, yeah. And that's why you saw me in the pub at the late, <laughs> yeah, late on in that day, really enjoying myself because uh, it was, uh, you know, I've spoken about in this podcast about the beginning of this season and what that meant uh, just being a Lutonian uh when people were seeing Luton are back. and back that was the start of it wasn't it it was that day um yeah brilliant stuff
0: speaking of the start of things tony uh you sit above the tunnel don't you at kenworth road or in the main stand sorry and um when mick came out before the game uh, i've watched the i've watched the game back on i follow a few times since then because it was just such a great day and simon rightly pauses from his introductions, when Mick comes out, the ovation was just—and I've mentioned it on the trust social media today—and the club have retweeted it for us. It was just an incredible noise when Mick came out of that tunnel before the game, and indeed after the game when he came out to lift the trophy.
1: Yeah, oh, it—it was, it, it was amazing, and uh, you know, it—it it was what the guy deserved. Um, when you when you look back on on the service that Mick's given us and. Um, what he continues to do for us. Um, it was great. And, and we did interview Mick before, and he was the only one who felt that he needed some sort of redemption. None of us felt that. Um, and, but for him to get that uh, and it, it to, to give him peace of mind over it, because, you know, it was, was absolutely superb. Um, and I think what was so special about it was the fact that, you know, uh, going on what James has said, that right at the start of last season, I remember us having a conversation about how we thought we were going to do. And we all thought, you know, we'd do well if we get in playoffs. Um, but to actually play football the way we did and the fact that we didn't start particularly well either. And then all of a sudden... You know, things seem to take off as, as James has already said, the hiccup with uh, Nathan Jones leaving Uh, and then the 28 game unbeaten run. It just shows you that when Luton achieves something, they do it in style. You know, because we we did a similar thing in the, in the conference, didn't we? You know, we were on a, 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 a tremendous long unbeaten run. Um, but what made it so good for me was. The fact that when you think where we were in 2009 and we were all, you know, in the depths of despair, what, what had been done to our football club and um, to come back. And in relatively short space of time, yet from the conference to the championship, but also the fact that an unexpected back-to-back promotions, which is something we had never done before. Made it so special. Um, it was just one of, certainly one of the best seasons I can remember. Um, not the best, the best one for me was 81 82. Um, but the football was, was tremendous. And, and there's, there's, there's two things that stick out for me for last season. One of them was how the players reacted to um, Nathan Jones going, and particularly in that game at Sunderland, and, and then for some godforsaken reason, one game that sticks out in my mind is the Tuesday night game at Bradford in the pouring rain and howling wind, and we won one nil, and it showed us that you know we've really got a side that you know that could dig in and grind out results, and of course that night it just seemed to give me, do you know what. Special feeling. We are going to do it. We are going to do it because of the way they, the players want it, they dug in for it. Um, you know, and, and I don't think Bradford <laughs> played particularly badly that night. It's just that we had the one chance, we took it, and then we battled away. And the celebrations after that game was, was fantastic. I didn't mind getting drenched for that. It was, it was just one of those <laughs> nights. And uh, you know, the, the actual day itself, to be honest with you, when we when we were crown champions. I don't really remember a lot about it, mainly because we were celebrating in the pub after, uh, before the game. And then um, it wasn't too long after uh, the final whistle that we were back in the pub uh, celebrating again. Uh, and it was worthwhile having a bad head on the Sunday morning. But overall, it, 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 it was fantastic. And, and for our team to go so long, yeah, it, it, to be referred to as... as as Little Luton and, 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 and we've taken the butt of so many jokes from our so-called rivals around us and being looked down on and, and, and you know, people um, making some cruel jibes at our, our, our expense when, you know, we all know that what happened to us was unjust, you know, to come back and show, you know what, we're back, we're back. And I think one of the things that's come out of us as a fan base, it's made us stronger and more su- supportive. And its it, it, I think it's made people feel more closely connected to their club. I think, you know, I think last season was, was pretty special.
0: Yeah, it was. And the amazing thing is that none of you have mentioned that we beat the best team in the League 4-0 as well. So uh, that just goes to show just how special a season it was. <laughs> And it's not just um, May the 4th that will live in the memories of Luton fans recently either. It's May the 5th as well. Uh, Simon, again, I'll come to you because I think you were commentating on the opposite side of Meadow Lane to where near enough 5,000 Luton fans were on the day that the League 2 promotion winning season uh, finished. That must have been some
2: experience as well. Yeah, I mean, that was incredible, wasn't it? We'd It would obviously been um, sorted going into that game, you know, that we were promoted Uh and it, it just incredible. Um, you know, a nil-nil draw, but wow, what an atmosphere. Um, you know, just, just a day out to enjoy. And it's games like that that you love because you, you're playing the game out to finish the season. You can have a, a party atmosphere. Fans can enjoy it. There was no pressure on that game whatsoever. Um, you know, and it just it's funny because I've got um, pictures coming up on another screen in, in the lounge here, and, and they're both of the two years, you know, the celebrations at Kenilworth Road in 18 and 19 and just fantastic to see all the fans on the pitch. Um, My view from the press box. Um, There's there's sometimes uh, as much as I love, absolutely love commentating. There are some times where you just want to be a part as a fan and, and to witness that and and to experience that. But do you know what? Sometimes actually seeing it from the other side of the ground, like Knotts County, and in fact, like Norwich, um, I shared the video that I filmed of the uh, the Luton fans at Carrow Road, mm. looking across and just watching that and being able to see all of it is just incredible. But to be part of it is just quite an experience as well. Um, you know, and it's just brilliant. As Tony said, The rise from non-league to the championship in five years is there's not clubs going to do that. There's not many clubs ever going to do that again. Um, And, you know, it's the stability that we had. It's everybody behind the scenes. You know, we talked about Nathan and the way that the team was going. When he left in January, Mick took over. We got the draw at Sunderland. That was an incredible day out. Um, And that just showed the team spirit that we'd got. But that had carried on from the season before. And, you know, Tony talked about the great run that we'd been on to win League One. The year before, Accrington had done that in League Two. And on another season, we'd have won that league. But fair play to them. Um, you know, they won the league. But let's look at it now. Luton Town are in the Championship. You know, it's, it, the league leaders, as we've discovered, don't always turn out to be the best team the next year or the year after. Um, rarely teams going up in the EFL actually are the best of the promoted teams the following year but winning League One incredible achievement runners up to Accrington in League Two disappointing we didn't win it but do you know what fair play to them they went on a run but if you'd have said now you can win League Two in 18 or you can be runners up and then get win League One in 19 yeah we'd have all taken that wouldn't we Yeah. yeah definitely
0: Absolutely. James, you weren't too far away from Simon at Knotts County, I wouldn't have thought, so you would have probably had the same sort of experiences, but you've mentioned to me personally a few times just what that was like, But and, and I know that it's a really special day for you, again, as a Lutonian, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it, it was all about that, um, just getting that full panoramic view of an entire side of Meadow Lane, all in orange, all singing throughout the whole game, non-stop noise. It, uh, it was amazing. It would have been amazing just for that, but then when the players and the staff all lined up and just like arm in arm and took it in, I've got a video of it and I put it on Twitter at the time. And every now and again, I, it pops up. So um, it it was just amazing. That sort of it was just a unity thing. It was uh, you know the players and the fans together, but also the the club being together after so many years of disarray the club is now run by good people that have the, the right interests of the, the club at heart because they're Luton fans. Um, and then if you sort of add into the mix what would uh, come further down the line uh, on, a, on a sort of town aspect, I know it was only last year, about the, the stadium and the Newlands Park stuff. It's just like these, so many uh, interlocking things about your town and uh, your hometown club that all come together. Um, and it was kind of like, I, I know there were other moments, but it feels like in retrospect that that was the sort of start of it, where it all um, where all good things sort of started coming together and then that, that springboard to being the... League 1 winners and, and how well they did it and the style in which they did it and the football they played and the records they broke um, it sort of all, all stemmed from that massive feel-good feeling and of course it was a feel-good weekend as well because the next day uh, we all um, went down to the Town Hall and, and, and saw what happened there and it the fact that it happened twelve months afterwards, and we just felt like, "Well, this is this is the new normal now," and like we could cope with that, no problem. But uh, you know, won't be the same this season. But uh, yeah, it was just incredible, incredible memories. And uh, it wasn't actually a bad game of football, was it? And it, uh, it didn't really matter in the end. It was that it was that sort of 10, 15 minutes of of uh, feeling like things are going in the right direction. Uh, that you sort of cherish it's what everybody loves. Simon's mentioned it in this podcast it's what you are there for as a football fan it's not uh, you know as the Premier League would have you think about the the money or finishing fourth and all that sort of stuff it's the glory of of winning things or succeeding in things Uh, and that's all you want and you know they're few and far between unless you are Man City or Man United or whatever and could afford to do it all the time so when they do happen you've got to cherish it and uh, yeah it's been quite a ride for the last two years
0: Yeah I must have been I've never needed a beer after a football match as much as I did after <laughs> that Notts County game all this singing on one of the hottest days that you could ever go and watch football in was uh, certainly took its toll Tony I know that uh, that's probably bringing up bittersweet memories, because I don't think he was at Notts County that day, but you were at the two civic receptions that followed that were also this week, and they were pretty special in their own right as well, weren't they?
1: Mm, Yeah, they were very much, yeah. Um, I couldn't get to uh, Notts County because of a prior commitment, um, so I missed out on that, but the the following game was just special, and I think the, the only slight tinge I think I've got over the the last, um, well, the League 2 and, and League 1 uh, promotion campaigns is that we we haven't actually won promotion at a home match, have we? You know, we're, even we, we're up when we haven't played. And uh, it, it, it would have been nice to do that. That would have put the cherry on the, on the cake. But I think um, we're, we've had a special time. You know, there's not many supporters concerned around and so they've had so many promotions in such a short period of time. And honestly, I mean, I, I look back on when we were in non league, and as, you, as you're well aware, guys, I, I, I don't, I'm mean, the terms, I go to Yorkshire quite a lot, and I, I know a few people who support clubs up there, and the view amongst them was, uh, you know, Luton are a big club. They shouldn't be where they are. We're, we're a big club. We should be further up the league. And it—it it was really and honestly only a matter of time before we got back. Um, even though it seemed like forever when we were in the conference, Lovely. um, but to actually do it the way we've done it in such a short space of time was is, is absolutely fantastic. You know, um, normally there's a few seasons between promotions and relegation thrown in uh, at one time we were I think we were the only club to get relegated from the top flight to the bottom league and then go all the way back up and I'm hoping we'll be the first club to do it twice you know, how realistically that is, I don't know, but because uh, as, as we said earlier, the football landscape has changed so much. But uh no, they there's special times and as I say to, to people and and more or less you know, youngsters they go and make me sound seem ancient. These times don't come around very often. So when they do, make the most of it, appreciate it, celebrate and remember.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um certainly this week in particular is definitely a memorable week for us Luton fans and hopefully in the years to come we'll add even more memories to that um that's just about it for this episode of the podcast Uh, i don't know if you've got that opinion but james is bored so we're probably going to bring out even more um podcasts this month so keep an eye out for those but until we do chaps thanks for joining me thanks for your views tonight and um we will speak to everyone next time Cheers,
1: cheers guys